sick of this. Get those Just Eat fools on the line from me. We're gonna do this doggy style. This place ain't blessed. This place is a mess. Disgusting. Pottery? Very useful. Anthony, people will always need plates. Or mash, get smashed. Hello and welcome to Fads, the podcast for fans of the ads. This is a different format again. We are going back to the intended, original format of the show. We'll be starting off with news, going into our main discussion and then rounding it off with a little gamey sort of segment. This week it is one minute briefs that we will talk about briefly at the end. (laughs) I'm here with Indigo. Hello, I'm here. (laughs) I was not lying. She is there. Haven't been kicked off yet. Of course not. So we shall kick it off with the news for our normal format of fads. The first news story is that John Lewis has released news about their upcoming Christmas advert. Yeah, the John Lewis Christmas advert is always a big, big news story, I feel like. Mm, It's the... I mean, I imagine in advertising it must be like... It's like the Hollywood blockbuster of advertising. Exactly. That is that is a good way to put it. I did forget, though, that John Lewis is working with Waitrose now. I forgot that they've gone into a partnership and, of course, it would be like a joint advert. Mm, yeah, that makes it kind of different. Last year, it was Excitable Edgar was mm. the uh, Christmas ad. Yeah, I mean, that one was okay. I mean, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was quite cute. Mm. This year, they have teamed up with two charities... Fair Share, which aims to help solve food poverty, and also Homestart, which is a charity which works with parents who need support. They're going to launch a major appeal in November. The executive director, Pippa Wicks, of John Lewis and Partners said, In a year like no other, the world has changed, so we will be delivering a Christmas campaign like no other. Mm, So they're going to be encouraging customers to donate to charities through them in stores and online. I feel like the in stores part of that is going to be a little more tricky now that we're in um, quarantine 2.0. Uh, so it's good that they've also got an online platform for it. Yeah. Yeah, that confused... I thought... Because they've invested £1 million in implementing the campaign across the stores. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure what that's going to look like, how mm. £1 million is going to be spent on that. But, I mean, be interesting to see. Yeah. But they're going to match all the donations up to the value of two million, which I feel like is quite impressive. You know, not only are they going to this effort yeah. of encouraging people to donate, but they're also going to be donating money themselves. Because I sometimes, I think people get that feeling when you see like a celebrity or a big business asking people to donate money and you're sat there thinking, but you've got like 10 times the amount of money of me anyway. Exactly. I always think like our the money we donate is pennies compared to what these big companies can donate so the fact that they are willing to donate off the back two million you know as long as it's met other people are doing that then i think that's that's really good hmm yeah but it's it is in light of just two weeks ago so on the 16th of october the john lewis partnership revealed its five-year strategic plan where its ambition to be a completely different kind of business as a force for good was revealed And this is definitely evidence of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no confirmed release date for the 2020 John Lewis Christmas advert, but generally they bring them out mid-November. That tends to be the time they go for every year. 
Yeah, so potentially in our, in one of our next episodes, we'll be featuring the John Lewis Christmas advert. Mm. Yeah, so the ad is going to be used as a way to sort of spread the word of the campaign and to encourage people to contribute rather than just an ad to, you know, gather awareness for their brand. Yeah. So after talking about John Lewis, which haven't released their ad yet, let's talk about some of the brands that have released Christmas ads so far, um, like Amazon. Yes. So there's been a list of brands that have suddenly released their Christmas ads, all unlike the 1st and 2nd of November, I'm noticing. I feel like the 1st of November still feels like Halloween for me and should not be when you mm. release your Christmas ads, but... it Yeah, it's too premature for me, like, I don't want to be looking at Christmas ads on the 1st of November. Mm. But they have anyway, and the brands that have released them is Very, who have worked with Grey, Argos, who worked with The and Partnership to celebrate their Christmas catalogue, The Book of Dreams. And that's because they stopped doing the iconic all year round ones in June. And that's after 47 years. I do actually miss them. Like, mm. I see why, but mm. that was sad. I feel like the Argos catalogue kind of had that. It felt like a Christmas, you know, it feels like Christmas when the Argo- Argos catalogue comes out. Exactly. So I'm glad they're carrying on with this Book of Dreams, just their Christmas mm. edition. Because I, I did used to circle things that I wanted in those catalogues. <laughs> used to be like an iconic like children Christmas tradition. You'd get the Argos catalogue and you'd circle the stuff that you wanted. Yes. You wouldn't get any of it, personally. I wouldn't. <laughs> it was just sort of an idea. Mm. So another company that's released their Christmas ad is Amazon. Mm-hmm. And that theirs is called The Show Must Go On. They've described it as a Love Actually style sort of shindig. I watched it and... I thought it was very nice. It features the 17-year-old French ballet dancer Thais Vinolo as her character is forced to train from home due to the pandemic. And it is quite a touching one, especially when she's on the roof in the final scene dancing. It's very nice. Hmm. TK Maxx has also introduced their Christmas ad, which is um, a little bit bizarre. It's got Little Goat uh, and Little Goat... Waden and Kennedy concocting that one. Um, it's reminiscent of the Moonwalking Pony for three, uh, which they did as well. Yes, I should say the goat is called Little Goat and the agency is called Weedon and Kennedy. Okay, that, that did confuse me when I read it. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I did, when I was watching it, I, when I saw the dancing goat, I was like, this is such a ripoff of that dancing pony ad for three. And then I googled it and I was like, oh, it was White, it was Whedon and Kennedy again, which I thought was quite clever to sort of pull on that. Mm, so maybe they, they just have a, a thing for dancing animals for Christmas. <laughs> they must do. They must do. I like uh... it. The animation is, is very satisfying. Anyway, another brand that has released their Christmas ad is Lego. They released theirs on November the 2nd. It's quite an ambitious one. I found it a bit long-winded personally, but... A lot of effort has gone to it, you can see. Mm. Pepsi Max, Max also released their advert on the 2nd of, of November um, with a back song wrapped by grime arse, artists Kamikaze and True Mendes, uh, wow. which is short and sweet with some good rhymes. And it's by Truant London. It's definitely one to look out for. It's like a bit different, I think, mm. for a Christmas ad to have it wrapped. Yes. Have you seen that one? There's There are some really good rhymes on that one. Yeah. 
Facebook have released an ad featuring the footballer Ian Wright, and I think that's like just a, it's a slightly weird thing for me is Facebook having adverts. Yeah, it's for their um, new Facebook portal, which is just like a new video messenger thing. But mm. yeah, I found it strange. And when I tried to find it on YouTube, it didn't come up. So I'm, I'm not sure how that one's going. <laughs> not made a big splash. No. Asda have been working with AMV BBDO to deliver their ad. It's a traditional feel-good supermarket ad I got when I watched it. I think the whole storyline might be a bit awkward if we are in lockdown for Christmas though because obviously we won't be able to see our friends and family and that is like the whole premise of this ad. But it's it's still nice, warm and fuzzy. Mm. And then Aldi um, has a two-parter ad, a continuation of their Kevin the Carrot advert. Yay! <laughs> uh, which is called Where is Kevin? Yeah, in that one, Kevin is ejected from a plane and then it ends with Where is Kevin? <laughs> And then the second one is playing off that. They Yeah, they released the second one on November the 6th then. Mm. And did you know that Jim Broadbent, who voices the narrator of Kevin the Carrot, actually plays Santa in this one? With the help of the hedgehog, he returns Kevin home on a bicycle like in E.T. <laughs> That's kind of cute. I, I quite like the alias with Kevin the Carrot. Like he, It's such a weird character, but I, I think it works somehow. See, I'm not a big fan of the carrot, but I just love the voice of Jim Broadbent so much that I just, I forgive whatever is going on in the advert as long as it's him talking. <laughs> I did uh, I did want to know though, which is your favourite India? Are those out of that lineup of Christmas ads? It's kind of, it's, it's hard to pick just one because they're all quite different. Did you watch all of them? I haven't actually seen all of them. I've seen quite a ha like quite a few. I, I probably would say Kevin the Carrot because I'm I'm a real sucker for like continuing um, Christmas adverts. I haven't actually seen all of them. Mm. So you're going with Kevin the Carrot? Yes. And what's your favourite? My favourite, I have to say, is probably the dancer one. Who was who was the dancer one for again? I've forgotten. Um, is that Amazon? With the ballet dancer. Yes, Amazon's The Show Must Go On is my pick. When she gets to that rooftop scene and she's... It's a phenomenal performance. When it gets to that bit and the, the boy is shining, the spotlight on her, I thought that was really quite moving. Mm. I, I did enjoy that. Yeah. Are there any any brands that you're looking forward to their Christmas ad coming out? I don't know if they've released it yet, but I feel like Iron Brew or Bar, the company that makes Iron Brew, tend to make pretty funny Christmas ads. So I don't know if they're coming out with one this year, but I would definitely look forward to seeing that. That's interesting. I was not expecting that at all. I was expecting John Lewis, but that is a cool one. <laughs> well, I just thought I'd go for an offbeat answer. Um, what about you? Do you have a, a brand Christmas ad? Yeah. I'll be going for the mainstream generic answer of John Lewis because it's like the hoo-ha that surrounds the John Lewis ad is like worked into the build-up to Christmas now, I feel. Oh, for sure. And they always make like the most impressive Christmas ad. It's their whole thing. Mm, exactly. Mm. Okay, so now shall we move on to our main discussion? Yes. This is... This is sort of a continuation of the previous episode we did all about the DNAD Awards for 2020. That 
episode will probably come out after this one, so this one is, it can be a standalone one anyway. Me and Indigo have each picked one advert that featured in the DNAD Awards 2020 to sort of dive into here. I have picked the Mouldy Whopper. Indigo, which one did you choose? I picked the Liberty Fields Guinness advert. Oh, lovely. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing our usual advert analysis interspersed with some facts about how it was made. So I will be kicking off the discussion for our choices from the DNAD Award Ceremony 2020. The one I have chose is the winner of the Elusive Black Pencil for Integrated Campaign 2020, as well as four yellow pencils, four graphite pencils and one wood pencil in art direction. And it is called the Mouldy Whopper. This ad was created for Burger King in the United States by three agencies which are Ingo Stockholm, David the Agency Miami, and Publicis. The ad made its Twitter debut back in February of 2020 when Burger King tweeted, The beauty of real food is that it gets ugly. That's why we are rolling out a Whopper free from artificial preservatives, coming by the end of 2020 to all restaurants in the US. I do notice that whoever wrote that tweet has quite bad grammar because there are no capital letters and there are a lot of full stops, but hey-ho. <laughs> I'd not picked up on that. Yeah, it's written like a text message. Exactly. I think that's kind of cool, to be honest, but anywho. So yeah, I mean, this throws us straight into the premise of the whole ad. It's a 45-second time-lapse of a decomposing Burger King Whopper, and it gets really mouldy, really <laughs> furry. <laughs> I suppose, yeah yeah i love that it starts off with a black screen i think that is it makes it really artistic the lighting and whatnot i like how it's really focusing on the burger and like there's no distracting background it's well done yeah i love that because they fast food things they go with like really big elaborate concepts for ads and this one just strips it down to the bare minimum i do love Mm. that i also love that at the beginning you can see Someone in gloves putting on the mayonnaise and whatnot with like an earbud, cotton bud thing. I, I do like that. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's like weirdly soothing to watch, even though you're watching like a burger mold. Yes, exactly. Yeah, when, when you see them with the gloves and you can see how much care and love they're putting into this, it, it really smacks home that that is how they do these ads. They don't just slap a burger in front of a camera. They they get like mm. a food stylist in. The food stylist for this one was Anna Lindblad. Very nice, very smooth um, introduction there. Mm. And, <laughs> oh, the song in the background. You did mention on our D&AD episode that it is perfect for this and you blew my mind in the reasoning. It's called What a Difference a Day Made and the singer is Aretha Franklin. Indigo, will you reiterate what you pointed out about their choosing of the song? Because it did blow my mind. I hadn't really got it. Because they're showing the mould in a time lapse and they give the day. So like on day one, on day two. Um, on various different posters so it's kind of showing us the difference that changes over the course of a day after day after day exactly that is the bit that I missed the beat on because I thought well it's not a day it's 35 days but 
that was good. Mm, it's showing the day by day difference. The other thing that I've noticed, and I don't know if maybe if if you notice this as well, you're allowed to cut this section and um, have you saying it. But when they show the day, the te- uh, on the advert they say the Whopper day one. The text for day one is mm. written in the same way that like a best before date is written on food that you buy from the shop. <gasps> Incredible. I did not pick that up. I love how you thought on some level that I might have seen that. <laughs> Literally just picked it up right now. Literally just picked it up right now. <laughs> that is brilliant. That's so clever. Because I was like, it's weird that they've chosen a different font to put day one. but And then I was like, oh my God, that's like your best before end text that's brilliant that's really that's so subtle as well they didn't even point it out they just they counted on the viewer being smart enough to see it or a big enough uh, typography nerd (laughs) yeah yeah you did mention that last episode i was like well okay we'll see when that comes into play uh so yeah i mean at this point we start to see the mold growing and their camera must be so good, like they pick up every single hair. I want to say hair, that's probably not the right word, but that is what it looks like. It looks fluffy, it looks like you could make it into a cuddly toy. I would not want to cuddle that, though. Imagine the smell. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, Fernando Machado, Burger King's global CMO, he said in a statement... A version of this idea was actually presented to them, Burger King, by David Miami around three years ago. The problem back then was that they weren't in the position to start their journey to remove artificial preservatives and other ingredients from products. So I found that interesting. Like, this was not just a ready-to-go advert. This is three years ago, but they just weren't ready to make the claim that that advert would have been making. I think you've got to give some props to them for not jumping on the idea three years ago, for actually waiting until it was true to life, you know, that the burgers actually didn't have any of these preservatives. Yeah, it complements their statements that they are trying to be a good fast food company and that they're trying to bring just, you know, good stuff to people's mouths. But yeah, so Ingo and David Miami were the two agencies that worked on the project they produced all the materials and publicists influenced the direction they ended up going in. So the footage of the burger, it was not taken in one take. That surprised me because it, it looked so effortless. It actually took several months of controlling the setting of the burger for 25 to 35 days, experimenting with what circumstances created what effects because mould grows inconsistently, it transpires. Hmm. It's the kind of thing you don't think about. I mean, I suppose the time lapse is all mesh together so well you wouldn't know that it took them so long to produce i mean i suppose in the end like it is one burger that's molded for 35 days but Mm. they obviously had to redo and and make sure that it looked aesthetically good yeah and they do mention that they were very careful not to make any claims that weren't real so at, at no point in the ad do they say it's the same burger but they're saying that the preservatives have been taken out so i mean it, it's not like they're pulling the wool over your eyes that this is not actually the same burger like i don't think it matters mm. i mean because even if it's not the same burger the point that they're making is that the bold will grow on it exactly the whole reason for this is that there was that a, a few years ago this whole idea blew up of like these burgers were so full of chemicals that they wouldn't even go moldy even if they turned bad 
Exactly. That, because I did put in a bit of cultural context for this ad. It was inspired by the somewhat historic moment in fast food history that in the summer of 1999, a then 49-year-old Utah man went to McDonald's and paid 79 cents for a hamburger that he planned to use in work for like a presentation on food decomposition or something. But something happened, he forgot about the burger and he left it in his pocket. And then two years later, he got the burger out and it still looked like a burger and there was no mould on it. Which, you do wonder how that would have gone if he had used it as a presentation for food decomposition. But anyway, he still has the burger to this day and he says it smells like cardboard but still looks like a burger. (laughs) My God, that's disgusting. I'm sorry, like, if you found a burger in your pocket and it hadn't gone mouldy and you knew it had been in there for two years... Would you think, oh, I'm going to keep that? Yeah. What's more is, why would you store a burger in your pocket? Like, when you have a fresh burger, I would never put it in my pocket. They're so greasy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the another controversial thing about it, though, is that that, like, historic moment of, like, seeing how unhealthy these burgers are with the... It wouldn't decompose after being in his pocket for two years. That is associated with McDonald's. So there is the viewpoint that someone would see this ad and they would just assume it was McDonald's, Mm. I guess. But, I mean, I like the subtlety that it's just, like, the Burger King logo at the end. Like, it's not flashing all over the screen all the time. I like that. But I did think it was for KFC when I tried to, like, research it. I was reminded it was Burger King, not KFC. Mm. Yeah, that that is true. And I... I think, you know, people that know the original story, I suppose maybe maybe it's almost like a jab at McDonald's in some ways because, like, the whole controversy around this unmoulding burger is a McDonald's burger. So maybe maybe Burger King are trying to say, well, our burger doesn't have any of that in it. Ah, but the thing is, McDonald's officially announced that it would remove their artificial preservatives from their burgers in September 2018. So it's almost like they're actually ahead of the game. Mm. Maybe it's a, a bit of a race in fast food um, companies to see who can get there first and Burger King's maybe winning. I, I feel like they're winning in getting the message out there because I didn't know that McDonald's had made that statement, but now I will always remember that Burger King has. Mm. But also, I mean, McDonald's made that statement that they are planning to remove it, but if we, if we go back to what you said about um, them having been presented the idea three years ago... When they presented the idea three years ago, they said, you know, we're not ready yet. We've not got to that point. That is a good point. So maybe it's going to take McDonald's another year or two to reach the point where their food no longer has preservatives. Don't at me, McDonald's, because I have no idea what they're doing. Like, <laughs> Same. But yeah, I mean, getting back to the time lapse thing, the master burger was kept under a dark lid in a Swedish photo studio. And at times, the master burger failed. So this would be like if the mould turned hairy too fast or the burger turned completely black. So in those situations, they had to swap the burger with a backup burger that had been in identical conditions. Which, I mean, you wonder how many burgers they would have had on the go. That is such a bizarre workplace scenario. I think the people who are working on this film, like, usually in food photography and food filming you're trying to make the food look like unrealistically delicious and mouthwatering in a way that makes it 
kind of completely inedible because they use all of these um, chemical glosses to make stuff look extra shiny and juicy. Mm. Like quite often um, they'll use things like white glue instead of milk to create that like really nice thick consistency. It's a really interesting world of food photography. So I guess this kind of goes against all of the uh, regular notions in making a film about or an ad about a food. Yeah, it was a controversial ad, wasn't it? Because like some places, like while some people would appreciate the artisticness and the originality of this concept, other people just look at it and like, well, why would I want to eat a mouldy burger? Why are you showing me a mouldy burger? <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I won't lie, that was my initial thought. But then when you really get into it and you just appreciate the thought and the thinking that went into it, I... I love it. Like, I picked it for this week because I just, I love the ad. It's so simple and so effective. Mm, it's breaking a lot of rules in terms of food advertising, uh, but it does it so skillfully. Exactly. I think, also going back, I remember the the, the start setup when you see them constructing this gorgeous burger, because I always feel like when you go into a restaurant, you see pictures of food on menus, and then the food that arrives, it's almost like a meme. It doesn't yes. look as good, like the McDonald's burger on the picture, or the Burger King burger on the picture, versus the Burger King burger you actually buy. Yeah, it's like a sick joke. It's like they hand it to you and it's like, wah, wah, wah. It's just pathetic. Yeah, it's really interesting to see this burger set up and like see how they curate it to look like this gorgeous, perfect burger on this platter. And then they just mm. let it go mouldy. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. In the ad, I love that bit where it's, really getting into the decomposing and it's sort of like the bun sort of flumps down like it's just like a it just sort of deflates yeah <laughs> i just think uh i just think it kind of it, it does it speaks for itself i think there's a line at the end of the advert where they say what makes it gross also makes it better and that really sums up the story of that advert yeah, the the finishing line, the beauty of no preservatives, that is a really good... It's really simple, yeah, I agree. Oh, I, we should say, it won 10 pencils in the DNAD Awards, including the elusive black pencil. Yeah. So it is critically acclaimed at this point. It's a big, a big hitter in terms of advertising for the year. Mm, definitely. And that rounds off the Mouldy Whopper ad for this bit of the conversation and we shall be moving on to Indigo's choice. Indigo, take it away. Yeah, my my pick for an advert from the DNAD Awards is the Liberty Fields advert for Guinness. Um, and this advert was actually released back in August 2019 and I chose it because I remember seeing it play in the ad breaks of rugby, rugby matches back in late 2019 and early 2020. Oh. Um, so it's part of Guinness's Made For More ad campaign, which is headed by AMVBBDO, who I think was the creator of one of the Christmas ads we talked about earlier. Mm, such a name. And this Made of More campaign has like been going for Guinness for quite a while. I think it actually started back in 2012. Um, mm. And it focuses on bold choices as part of the brand's philosophy. Yeah, and this ad won a wooden pencil for cinematography in film advertising and was shortlisted for film advertising, cinema advertising, 41 to 60 seconds. So it's not 
as critically acclaimed as the Mouldy Whopper, but it is it is up there with winning some awards. Yeah, I I can see why it got the cinematography ones because I don't really know the lingo, but the lighting I think and the way like it pans, it does it is very cinematic. I don't really know the language around it, but I it is very visually satisfying to watch. Yeah, I think the the way it's shot is very, very, like, aesthetically beautiful when you Mm. watch it. Um, And while promoting the Guinness beer, it's also telling the story of the 1989 Tokyo women's rugby rugby team, Liberty Fields RFC, who went against gender stereotypes and became a powerful women's rugby team, even competing in the first Women's Rugby World Cup, which I think is pretty cool. That's incredible. Yeah. The ad runs about 60 seconds and is accompanied by a five minute documentary it was written by alex grieve chief director of creative agency amv bbdo with the art direction being done by adrian rossi of gray london he's the creative chairman um and elliot rausch is the filmmaker with through oh. the production company stink films which has a amusing name <laughs> I love that name. I also like that it's the chief director who wrote it. Because it's normally, I imagine it's like the people that work under them that sort of, they all throw together the idea and then, you know, someone gets the credit. But I love that he actually wrote it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, we've, like, in terms of um, gender, I thought it was kind of funny because this is an advert, you know, that's talking about these powerful women. Um, and we've talked a bit about mm. gender equality in advertising companies on the show before. And it's it was interesting for me to note that even though this ad is all about a women's rugby team, um, the ad was led entirely by a team of men. <laughs> oh my God, I'm seeing it. it. Yes, I just saw, I was looking at the names, I was like, are any of those women? But yes, that is so funny. Very ironic. It, it seems very ironic. That is, that's so ironic. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say that is the like that was the running theme throughout the whole thing. I was like, wow, this is so I didn't realize how empowered these women must have been to have gone against that social norm of being a feminine woman in Tokyo in 1989. Mm. And yeah, it's so in contrast that all men made it. Yeah, it's it's ironic. It's deeply ironic because mm. the the documentary that's uh, five minutes long um, has some of the original members of the team, like the founder, Noriko Kishida, and they talk about their experiences and just it's got a bit more of a documentary feel to it. Oh, is that the founder of Liberty Fields? Yeah, that's the founder of the wow. rugby team. So they were the first women's rugby team for Tokyo in Japan. and. Oh, okay. Because, you know, it was not a recognised professional sport. They all had jobs at the same time. They had families for a lot of them. So they were having to, like, finish off their housework before going to go and play rugby. It's quite an interesting story when you... Yeah. I, I would recommend people watch this documentary. It's only five minutes long and it's it's quite interesting. So, yeah, because as the um, ad opens up, we sort of go into these like council estate looking flats is that like a location where any of these women lived or is it just they picked that because it it went with the feel of the ad i mean i think the ad itself is largely uh recreation so i think it opens up with these like establishing shots of the women running around in tokyo city and i guess it's just to give the idea of tokyo in 1989 um and Mm -hmm. how these women really stood out 
because they you know they weren't just being housewives or mothers they were exercising and becoming strong in a way that's not traditionally seen as feminine yeah isn't she is she lifting a bag of flour in her kitchen i don't maybe flour maybe rice or something that would come in a big sack like that it's kind of interesting because you know they wouldn't have had any training the team didn't Mm. have a coach or a doctor or anything associated with it it was just this group of women the team members so they obviously had to figure out how they were going to train for this uh, like intense sport without any real real equipment Mm. yeah because I love that bit where she's lifting the flower and like self-training as you say and you can see the other people in the room are judging her hard. There's even that subtle nod to the TV showing what a woman should be doing as it's seen in society. Mm. And she gives like such a look of contempt and pride in her face when she looks over. It's very nice. Yeah. I think one of the things I like the most about this advert is how they use sound and the edits and expressions of people shown like match the sounds and the narration that are going on in the background. Mm. Um, which I just think is it's done really nicely like there's moments where the sound intensifies and you you get all these shots of the women running and it just it comes together really seamlessly I also they've they've put like a sort of grainy film quality to the footage which makes it feel like it's from the 1980s and helps some of the older footage that they use which is I think actual footage of the team playing so occasionally you see um, yeah. shots of recreations of women playing rugby, but interspersed within that, you also get footage of the actual team. And I think the only bit that really differentiates it is it's a slightly different aspect ratio. Yeah, when I saw it, I thought I, I quite like that it wasn't like a seamless transition from the original footage to the, the recreation, because I thought it sort of screamed that it was the original footage and it made what they did then with the recreations, you know, where they go Mm. from one shot from the original and then it's like they're falling on the floor close up in the recreation. It made it seem really... I think it's really dynamically edited. Mm. Yeah. My absolute favourite bit in the advert, though, is is this, this moment where the woman is serving tea to her boss like in her day job and she's wearing a uniform I suppose she must be a secretary or a receptionist but she's pouring tea to these men in suits and they look so posh and uh, she spills the tea and it's timed with the narration Mm. saying that the team were seen as embarrassing and she smiles at her boss showing that she's like missing a tooth from rugby practice and I just I don't know, there's, there's something about the timing, but also the humour of that scene. Mm. You can yeah. just see, like, she's not ashamed that she's had a tooth knocked out because of rugby. She's just, it's like a bit cheeky the way she smiles. Of, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, I, defi- I definitely thought that the advert was a really nice addition to Guinness's um, Made of More stories. And yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like we need to empower women in sport more. It came out at a really good time because last year we had really good coverage of the women's football for probably the first time on television. Um, Mm. And it would be nice to see women's rugby get that same kind of TV airing and coverage. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I don't really think about women's rugby, but like, I mean, you don't hear about it being on TV. Mm. I mean, I'm sure it does get televised, but just not in the same way that men's rugby does, which is a real shame. And when the women's football was on TV, I remember watching it and thinking like, this is so much more interesting than the men's football. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, I don't watch either, but I would be more inclined to watch the women's. Mm, exactly, because you feel like you're being represented. Mm. Yeah. And then obviously at the end of the advert, we have the scenes of the women celebrating drinking Guinness because you've got to get it in there. <laughs> that was a good way to get it in rather than it all be about drinking. Mm. And they don't make a a show of it, I think, which works really well for the advert. And I like that yeah. it ends with a photograph of the team, Liberty Fields RFC, and then goes to have them with the Guinness logo. Yeah, I do love that ending photo. It's like, it's so, it's so feel good. Like they look like they're having such a good time. You can imagine looking back at that photo and just swelling with pride for what you did. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like it was a very good ad when I saw it on TV. I remembered it and felt like it was conveying a really nice message. Yeah. I mean, that is the stamp of a good advert is that you can remember it. Like that's, if you can remember it, then it's obviously done its job. I think it was probably one of the only adverts on the DNAD Awards site that I'd seen on TV and remembered among like a handful of others. That is the thing about the DNAD Awards. They show ads from all over the world. So a lot of them, you know, you haven't seen. I hadn't seen the Moldy Whopper one. That was only for the US. Mm. Yeah. It's actually really nice to see ads from other countries and other cultures and how they do it because mm. quite often it's like, yeah, there's similarities and differences which are just really interesting. Um, like I noticed that a lot of the animated adverts were from international companies. Yeah, like um, that, was it Hankogram? Hankography? I'm not, it's one of the two. <laughs> yeah, like that one, I thought that was such an insight into the culture. Mm because I had no idea about the ivory thing. You just, I just didn't think, you know, you don't think about it if you're not exposed to it. And it was, yeah, it was a real insight. Yeah. Mm. Okay, are we ready to go on to our mini discussion? Yes, let's, let's move on to talk about one minute briefs. Cherry, what are one minute briefs? Well, Indigo, I shall tell you. So the one minute briefs, they are by the company Bank of Creativity. It's basically, they run it on Twitter, but they promote it through all their social medias. So the general guideline is that they put out a tweet giving something that they want you to try and advertise. So it will either be an actual brand or a product, or it will just be like an act like knitting or sewing, or it doesn't really matter what it is. They just want to see your ideas. There are a few rules, but you know, none of them are groundbreaking. But it did make me laugh looking through their rules. It's like the first one is to be fearless. Have no fear. So, you know, don't be afraid to post an ad. They say there is no bad ad. But then the next rule is to not overstep the boundaries, which I thought was, it's a hard balance. If, you, if you're not that self-aware, how do you know the difference between not being fearless and going too far? Yeah, it's a little bit contradictory, isn't it? You know, to say, have no fear, but also hold back. Yeah, exactly. Mm. They call anyone who participates, you are then an omble, which I like. For a while, I was really confused by the ombles, though, because it made me think of wombles, like wombles of Wimbledon. And yes. I was like, I just, I 
don't understand. Yeah, because they post it alongside pictures of the Wombles as well. So I had no idea. It was only when I sort of read the about page. I was like, oh, okay, they're calling us Wombles. Fair enough. Mm. Well, as a Womble of Wimbledon, because I did go to Wimbledon College of Art, I felt very confused by it. I was like, am I am I a Womble? Am I an Omble? <laughs> what? You're both. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the the premise is that you see the tweet... You come up with your own brief. It's supposed to be done in one minute. I, I really doubt that people only spend a minute on it, but that is the general guideline. They don't want like a big hoo-ha. You don't have to be good at editing or, you know, graphics. That You, you could just do a doodle on a page. As long as you've got that idea on there, then you could win for the day. They do them every day, which is incredible to get th- that many mm. products and people participating. Yeah, I kind of interpret it as like, an idea you come up with in a minute but then maybe maybe you're allowed to spend a little bit longer on the execution Mm. yeah that is a good way of putting it I mean you only have you know a matter of 24 hours to get it done so it can't be that great anyway no (laughs) so as part of this segment we thought it would be fun to each pick our favorite one minute brief from the past like two weeks the one I have gone for is the one minute brief that was the call out to advertise jigsaws So the one I have chosen, at first glance, looks like a gif. It has got a picture of a very savvy, business-minded looking man. He looks like he takes himself particularly seriously. He is at a table with a beer perch next to him. He's got his arm on the table as if he's about to say something really profound. But the caption, along the top, it says, I don't always do jigsaws. And then along the bottom, But when I do, I put the last piece in and claim the glory. And that (laughs) makes me smile inside. I just think it's really clever. Like, the way that they have chosen this image in contrast to the message. Like, it's a really... Yeah. It's funny. And the way they've put the caption. So you read the first line, you take in the whole image. And then finally, you look at the caption about how he claims the glory by putting the last piece in a jigsaw. It's ridiculous. And I love it. Oh my god. And that is my reasoning. I used to do exactly that. Like, I would steal a piece of the jigsaw when my, like, sister or my dad was doing a jigsaw. I would steal one piece (laughs) of the jigsaw so that when they got to the end, I could put in the last piece. That's genius. I'd never done that, but that is genius. Evil genius, though, because they had that, like, panic that they completed the jigsaw and there's a piece missing. And then I would come in and I'd be like, I've got the last piece. And then claim all the glory of finishing the jigsaw. It's clever. That's like a Slytherin move. Mind, it does remind me of another one that came in one of the winners from the jigsaw round. Did you see it? It was like a picture of a jigsaw box. And it was obviously in a charity shop. And it had a sticker that said 50p, one piece missing. And that I found that so funny. Like, exactly. Why would you want to do this jigsaw mm, when there's one piece yeah. missing? always so disappointing if you've got pieces missing from a jigsaw yeah i really love the jigsaw one as well <laughs> anywho indigo what was your choice of one minute briefs of the week i chose their knitting prompt so this one was put out on twitter on the 27th of october um and yeah the knitting prompt appealed to me i think in part because i do knit oh. <laughs> um there were some like some really good suggestions and I've got to give a mention to 
the one which shows this girl in a cardigan that's like all of this mishmash of colours with this green edging. It doesn't really go together. And it's got the caption, no, really, I love it. Honest. <laughs> um, and then underneath, you never have to lie to grandma again. Knit it yourself. Knitting for all. That was a good one. I, I think everyone has that that experience of being given something and it being so not to your taste. Mm. And when, when it's homemade, that's ten times worse. As a knitter, you've got that fear. When people are like, oh my god, knit me something. You're mm. like, what if I give it to you and it's trash and you hate it? See, look, I don't think you can go wrong with knitting a jumper. Like, this one that's in the photograph, I know it's supposed to be awful, but I actually really rather like it. It's just the collar that's a bit off to me. But other than that, I would wear it. If it was my size, I would 100% wear that cardigan. It's like gaudy in all the right ways. Yes, that is exactly it. It is Gordy. When you're a kid, you're more easily embarrassed by that kind of thing. Yeah. I have to say, mm. when I saw this was one of... Because like, I know there's some mix-up of what your choice was, but when I saw this one, I thought, that is so indigo, I could so see her in that jumper. I absolutely love that jumper. I'm like, if you don't want it, <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> but my, my favourite one, I like it because it's so simple. It's just a photo of an older woman who's knitting and she's looking to the camera with like a slightly wry look in her eye and it says, stitch, please. Yes, that is a clever one. We, we all know what what they're playing on there. We do, we do. We don't even have to explain the joke. Everyone will get it. Yeah, I just, I just love the idea of this like sassy granny figure. Like, stitch please. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's her catchphrase. Everyone knows her for it. Uh, yeah, you completely make the character in your mind. Like, she's this very eccentric and co- cool old lady. And you can find them all if you check out the One Minute Briefs Twitter or their Facebook and look for those hashtags. Hashtag Jigsaw and hashtag Knitting. Yes. And if you want to see, if you want to take part in the One Minute Briefs, just follow them on Twitter and they will update you every day on what the challenge is. Yeah, I think it's 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 cool to have it like a daily a daily little creative challenge. You know, you've got a short amount of time. You've got to come up with the idea and make a simple image for it. Yeah, it's like it's like doing a word search every day. I think it just stretches your mind and your thinking. I feel like if you did try to do it every day, you would get burnout mm. fast. But if you just dip in and out, it's a really cool thing to do. Yeah, if you just keep an eye on it and maybe there's one that comes up and you just think, yeah, I've got an idea for that. Mm. Okay, so that rounds off episode eight of Fads, our first YouTube side-along episode and our first one back to the intended format. Yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's been listening and we'll see you in our next episode. Yes, thank you so much. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) You're a scientist!